Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Don't worry, I got one. You got one? Go for it. Yo, bro, you want to, like, save me? Uh, okay. I guess I was, like, condemned to doom, but if you want to help... Becca, Becca, you're not transmitting anything. Do you not know how to do this? Do you not know how... Could you, like, come over here and push the button for me to transmit to you? Sorry. Can we get someone to help her? Can we get... Anybody, like, how did you get this far in life, much less recording anything? Uh... Do you see the single button that you have to press <laughs> to activate the remote? You do see it, right? Oh, this one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a watch. Okay. Nope, that is, that's right. Now it's just find the magnetic now, coil and then push the button. Yeah, push, uh, use pressure on your finger to, uh, None of us Hit, know how to do that. <laughs> can, can Are your parents home? <laughs> Who? <laughs> I don't know if I ever had any. <laughs> Whoa, backstory what's, unlocked. <laughs> what's crazy about that is we made that last for like maybe a minute and a half, but they made the whole first <laughs> act about their it ignorance. so long, and they were so snarky about it. Like, they weren't willing to help them at all. They're like... What, you've never heard of a magnetic coil before? No, they were being helpful. What, you mean the crew of the Enterprise? I thought they were super accommodating that these people did not know the parts of their own freaking ship. We could have done with less attitude, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I could have I... done with more attitude. <laughs> I do not appreciate incompetence in any form. Whoa! I agree with Becca about the crew like being helpful. That's true. They were like doing their best, but they were very aghast at how ignorant these people were. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. did we even really get into why that happened? Because they spent 20% of the episode going over that, but like it's just because they are a pre-warp species, oh. and they are the lesser, like they are the uh, group that is marginalized because of the economic problem. Right. Yes, well, before it, we do all that, oh, yeah. let's tell them what episode this was and what it was about <laughs> for those who are uh, just catching up. Great. Very natural way to get into that. I'm great at segues. <laughs> <laughs> it's symbiosis. After the Enterprise-D rescues a freighter crew and the ship's important cargo, Captain Picard faces a difficult dilemma. Uphold the Prime Directive or save an entire civilization from exploitation. Spoilers. He exploits the. He lets this continue. It's nonsense. I'm so upset. This whole oh. episode, I was like, Picard, I get that you have a philosophy, and I'm done with it. The Prime Directive is trash. Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. okay. All right. We'll get into okay. that. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Fucking fix the prop. Fucking just fix the prop. Use right there. Crusher gets it. Crusher Ooh. gets it. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. 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 Yeah, Hold on that's right. That. We're going to have to make this a higher level, uh, you know, sensor rating on this episode. <laughs> can't fucking stand the prom directive right now. Also, it sounds like someone's mad at the Breckians. <laughs> the Becca ain't no Brecca. You know? 
Well, let's see how we get there, right? So the Enterprise is exploring some solar flares like that are happening on a nearby star. Is that right? Yeah, and they activate their computer uh, eclipse module. <laughs> I know. It is a black circle. dot. Yeah. I thought they were going to like lower the lighting effect or something, but they're like, nope, just nip, nip, Listen, nip, nip. they were figuring out the visuals. <laughs> it's fine. Ooh, yeah. This the, the graphics of the solar flare are n- not that crazy. Uh, I mean, crazy bad. But um, <laughs> Yeah. But solar flares in general, are absolutely terrifying. We have narrowly missed several. There was the last one in the 80s that just barely missed Earth. I watched a video from Kyrgyzat, which is my favorite YouTube oh, channel. Oh, yeah, Kyrgyzat. Yeah, yeah, it's like animated infographics. We'll put the link in the show notes to this episode about solar flares. It's just like a three-minute infographic thing. We are not ready. Also, just as a quick warning for anybody that's going to go watch In a Nutshell by Kurtz Kazad, it's going to instill some new anxieties that you didn't know that you had before <laughs> and awaken and enhance some ones that you already did. Just but a quick really warning. really sweet, cute birds are going to explain it to you in a man with a very soothing it's voice. It's beautiful. It's beautifully mm-hmm. animated. I feel most things about astrophysics that are um, about the grand scale of what's going on yeah. are always a little anxiety-inducing. Yep. Yep. You realize how small we really are. Honestly... This is a real tangent, but um, things like that reduce my anxiety because mm-hmm. my anxiety is about my own personal sure. bullshit. And as I soon as I that, think, yeah. oh, I'm meaningless, I'm a speck of dust in the universe, I uh, everything's a little you know lighter on the shoulders. That's so true. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of it all, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's wow. a, a great in, uh, perspective into these characters that we're talking about as well because you see these two factions coming from different planets Uh, coming in and they're so focused on this one issue or this one um, sort of thing. It is all consuming for one of these uh, species because they feel like they will die without a specific medication that is processed on the other planet. And they don't even just think, they they, they believe that because they've been told that too. And they feel the symptoms. They feel as if they're going through something that's going to kill them. Uh, Withdrawal and, is no joke. Yeah, serious. But but again, that's just that perspective of coming in from the Federation or the Enterprise's perspective. And as you mentioned, Becca, the Prime Directive is one of the first things that's brought up. Uh, Picard is saying, like, we can't directly interfere with the politics of this, like, delicate ecosystem. I have so many, but why not this, uh, comments <laughs> about this episode. But, yeah, it's really interesting, these two planets. So they, one is a complete parasite on the other. They didn't develop any other industry except making this pill for the other people on the other planet to take. Mm-hmm. But I guess we can go, you know, act by act and get to the reveal, <laughs> which was not a reveal because I knew it the whole time. Time. Let me tell you. Oh, really? Was that, that was that your theory going forward? From uh, yeah, I wrote like, oh, they're disease? being drugged. This is for sure. Because because the body language was total tweaker. Mm-hmm. I was making jokes about it, but the so the Breckens, the Breckians from Brecca are the ones that are really polished, put together, have mm-hmm. pastel jumpsuits, like they're in some sort of like <laughs> gym. Uh, pop group yeah. and uh, and the holograms yeah Jim and the holograms and then the Onarians from Onara they were the ones that originally developed a lot more industry on their planet and then got this terrible plague and only this one plant on Breca could save them uh, so yeah it's called Felicium is the mm-hmm. drug uh, Felice Felicity happiness ooh we've heard ooh. all this before 
Wow, well, I, that's a great uh, perspective. Anyway. I just thought the scientist that named it was Felicia, and she was like, it's named after me. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think we do discover later that there actually was a plague that was affecting this other, uh, other planet, and that they eventually, it did get cured, but they were addicted to this, this crop. But cure. Yeah, the cure. They, that's a really, actually, that's a pretty uh, solid way of making it feel more believable, is that there truly was an issue. But through the exploitation of how the medicine was delivered, they just kept up uh, drugging these people. And that's became... how all conspiracy theorists get their fuel. One nugget of truth, <laughs> and they just take away. Uh... We'll see a few direct parallels for this, too. But this is especially a sign of the times of, like, the D.A.R.E. program and the, the yeah. I, these public services against drug use or what perceived drug use was. Right, and war so this on was, drugs. Exactly. And so this was just it, the, the Star Trek writers kind of playing into that and, and seeing like, you know, from their perspective, someone who goes into a hospital and gets addicted to morphine or an opiate addiction or something like that, where it may have helped at one point, but becomes something else. It's their sort of an, uh, analogy. For, it's for interesting you you put it in, in those terms because thinking about the time it was very yeah. much like drug users or criminals was the you know the 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 zeitgeist of the time but that's not the perspective this takes it sees the the people who become addicted as the victims of yeah. the drug which of course is how we see it now right yeah it feels like uh well we'll talk about it actually in terms of the speech because there was a lot of uh fighting amongst the crew and cast about this one so let's let's oh. actually get how we got there so the there was a solar flare investigation we find this freighter that has these two species aboard they beam first their cargo mm -hmm. over which we learn later is the medicine and then Wild. they come aboard which was uh perilous because the ship was going down it was about to be incinerated and they only had a, a limited amount of time and they had like well, we reenacted all right? of this in the beginning of the podcast <laughs> well, I wanted so to talk about that. I wanted to talk about that scene though because it felt like um, it felt like an improv group that had <laughs> one person who just joined for the first day. Like they were like, okay, we're gonna do a Star Trek scene, and then they're like, give him orders. He's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. He's like, it doesn't matter if you don't know what it is. Just go do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I Wait, think which which character? J the Jaron? whole, the whole, yeah, Jaron. the Jaron or whatever. The guy on the other side of the ship who just didn't know what was happening. He couldn't even respond <laughs> with like a let me try it. It was just more like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that they were trying to play up this like class difference of yeah. there are people that are working on the ship, this freighter, and there are people that are like that own the ship, you know. Yeah. Um, but it does fall apart because the people that are running the ship would know how to do basic things because they were running the ship. I so just love the. I just love that he calls out. He's like, "Hey." Can you do? Can you do a warp coil? No one. No. No. No one here can do it. <laughs> no one can do it. Um, so there are different theories that you could maybe they took over the ship. Uh, yeah. And it was there were stowaways that were. See, I was wondering if we were seeing a repeat of that Klingon um, episode we just did where they yep. were took over the Ferengi ship, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So the there's precedent for that, but I think they just needed it to, to they just made the yeah. scrambling as a plot device. Yeah, so, I'd like to say that I wrote down that they should abandon this freighter because the Prime Directive says this dude wants to die. <laughs> the Prime Directive is so weird. Like, it's... It's very fluid in terms of how they address things. So it, this is a pre-warp civilization. How can you go talk to anybody if, if right. they... 
if you're talking to them might interfere. Yes, that's very true. That's a very valid point. The Prime Directive gets really wishy-washy in terms of the writer's room of Star Trek, I think, in all all the series. Because they have to kind of, they still have to pay service to, like, being space explorers and... um, finding new civilizations which yeah. which is literally in the like the codified in the part of Star Trek is finding new civilizations but it's not like they're omitting civilizations that are pre-warp they just uh their interference is kind of fluid I guess exactly that's why it should be more like what a therapist has to say like I uh, you have patient con- confidentiality until someone's in danger mm-hmm. and you know if you're going to exploit an entire planet I'm going to call that danger. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think with this one, in essence, the prime directive is the deus ex machina of, of Star Trek in a way. It's the, the scapegoat for doing good things. It's the scapegoat for doing bad things. It's the excuse that you can use to help someone or the excuse that you can use to not help someone for the, the greater good. Um, and and we've heard time and again that there was resistance in the writer's room for uh, this utopia because there's no conflict. And I can see someone going, well, there's the prime directive. Use yeah. that and see, yeah. fight morally. Uh, because, you know, we kind of get these two versions of Trek in like the adventure on the planet Trek or the moral quandary. And, so, and the best Trek combines the two. But this seems to be more of the the moral quandary side. I I think you're right. I think they use it as the conflict point because so many of their other interpersonal problems have, quote unquote, been solved, you know, by what Roddenberry wanted for the beginning of the series. So it it makes a really interesting point that they have to kind of debate and they definitely do debate it. And Crusher makes, I think, a really good point, Becca. I I was like totally on board with Crusher for much of this episode. I get it. Yeah. Um, But, well, maybe we should continue walking through the steps of it before I rant and rave some more. <laughs> we're in the we're in the cargo bay. We find out that one of these species is selling uh, the. Let's get their species right. So it is the Omarans, Omararans, Onarans, Onarans. I thought it was an N. Yeah, the Breckens. And the Breckens. Which sounds the a lot like are... Beckians, which yeah. is what I'm going to call my planet. <laughs> so this Beckia. is kind of upsetting. The yeah. Beckians are selling their um, this medicine to the Onarans. We've realized that, oh, there's something a little wonky with this relationship in terms of, like, they're not really willing to give it up without payment, which they've now lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, your entire society is based off the industry of distilling this one plant to exploit this other planet where you get everything from? So this is where it gets a little crazy because why aren't there artisans on their planet that are like, you know, you know what, I'm going to weave textiles just because I love to do it. I love to make pastel clothing that <laughs> shiny and would look great on stage because and i can tell you like if you if you for me if i took this thought experiment of what civilizations would look like the the breckens would have to be either an entire uh, society keeping a secret or just like a the top order would keep this secret because they were aware of what's going on they know what's happening but in order for it to to function for that long They would have to keep their own citizens in the dark, I'm sure. And so, because they knew mm -hmm. uh, the two people that the two Breckens on the ship, and so I was like, okay, hold on, how come there was never a little love situation where we've got a (laughs) Romeo and Juliet, and they tell each other, and it spoils the whole planet's secret. God, sure. That would be cool. That's actually a great idea. I would love a B plot that's something like that. That's yeah. another. This is another episode. I'll submit to Gene. <laughs> this is another episode we didn't get a B plot, so we were kind of like yeah. slugging through this whole deception, which 
every time we got new information, it was just laid out. And yeah. people immediately figured out. Like, there was brief mystery, but the mystery was immediately solved. It right? was tell, not show. Yeah. Like, even with the no industry conversation, it was mm-hmm. like, we have no industry. Yeah. And then so Picard and Crush are like, so they provide you with everything. Oh, they provide us with the necessities of life, and we provide them with the necessity of, of living. Yeah. It's like, well, that's exactly the quandary we are summarizing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You just said it. So, and, and I think it was to sh- give a sense of empathy towards the, the Breckens, because you're supposed to take that information and go, oh, well, if they learn this, they lose their only industry, and mm-hmm. now they're gonna, it's going to be reversed. So it's this fear of... The uh, people that are being taken advantage of or, um, you know, exploited, they're afraid of them rising up and not just wanting equality, but revenge. And it sounds familiar. Sure does. Sure does. So the Breckens are basically like white supremacy. I mean, in a nutshell. Yeah, among there, the thing is, it, uh, as sad as this is, it's not an isolated case in humanity either. Most of the time, it is white people <laughs> of some yeah. form or another. But you know, it's it's to show an examination of cultures and civilizations and an extrapolation, as we saw uh, in our bonus episode in the Star Trek uh, Next Generation Bible. It's an extrapolation of these like thought experiments in real science. What would happen? What would these societies look like? And then we catch this glimpse, this like slice of life of these individuals caught within a larger mm, deception. Speaking of a larger deception, <laughs> another analogy for Brecken's to me is uh, professions that do not add tangible value to the world. For I went on a rant on my stream yesterday about this, like oh. uh, uh, about UBI. It's all related because um, <laughs> the people who are most monetarily rewarded in our society are like hedge fund managers or mm-hmm. people that deal with moving money from place to place and not actually creating tangible value for anyone. Yep. Like people who are calling essential workers now, yep. those people actually, like the part of UBI is like, those people are not paid what they're due for the value that they tangibly create. And if we really, uh, you know, gave contribution value, then mm-hmm. those people would be rewarded more. Like the Onarans. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that is from a core value, at least this is my perspective, that was shared, especially in like higher up higher powered jobs of well you have to work smarter not harder and so you're you're valued for um you know minimizing the physical labor that you have to do because you've delegated it out to someone else minimizing how how much that labor is worth but it quickly became crueler not cooler wow yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, they did so much they did so much telling of us of like everything. They they laid it out verbally and then I thought they had a, they had a real opportunity to show something and they tried it. And it was yeah. when the um when the Onarans actually got their dosage and mm-hmm. they they took it and they started to kind of like act like addicts who have just had another a hit of something and they kind of like start to relax great, and they have like doctor. euphoria. Yeah. And the the camera 
slowly zooms in on Crusher. And, and it's and so she, long. It's so long. She does so much acting of like, I've realized it now. And if you watch the scene again, you can watch poor Gates, Gates McFadden as she glances at the camera to I see if they're it. done. I saw And it. she looks twice. She's like, are we done? Are we, are we done with the shot? And she can't. <laughs> so I felt funny. so bad for her. I wrote yeah. the Gates McFadden stare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can see the switch from a- actor to character back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Um, she also says, uh, you know, a lot of obvious. She, I think she makes a great argument to the captain. Like, mm-hmm. uh, do you think that drug addiction and exploitation merit intervention? And he's just flat out, we nothing merits intervention because that's the way the prime directive is. We we can't impose our values on other societies. Now, wait, I want to explain how Picard already had violated the prime directive by that point. But first, we skipped over something very important where they did show not tell, which is the natural electrical charge. Oh, right. You know about these? I call them zappy hands. <laughs> I, call them sh- I call them shocking grasp. I call shenanigans. <laughs> Sounds like a magic card. Um, uh, yeah. Shocking grasp. And a D&D spell. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Okay, so they're in the cargo hold because they're like, um, we need to see our cargo that was more important than our humans. By the way, two people died on your ship. Do you care? We didn't transport them over, but you got the goods, right? Yeah. That's a real addict right there. Yeah. So Riker shows them. We see Yars in the cargo bay with Riker and with um, these four people transported over, two Breckens, two Onarans. And, uh, and then they look at the goods and they're like bickering throughout the show there's just this back and forth of like we bought it you didn't pay for it we bought it we didn't pay for it <laughs> like, and then finally i think beverly is like enough and that's yeah. like the audience we're like yeah yes. thank you enough yeah. <laughs> but in this scene in the cargo bay they just start shocking each other with their electric hands <laughs> yeah. and then Riker doesn't say anything he's just watching for a while what and would then, you do <laughs> and then he he says security uh, and calls it in on his comms when head of security is Lieutenant Yar who's in the room why didn't she call for backup and then she just like shoots him with a phaser and is like play nice yeah well, <laughs> it's I a ridiculous scene that chain of command in that Yar would be expected to handle this problem right now while commander would call for backup uh, and she did handle it in a way <laughs> and then was sassy about it. Yeah, she yeah. got the sass line at least. Yeah. The, yeah, it felt like two wizards who could only use the shocking grasp cantrip or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're, <laughs> they're too and weak to really do anything to each other. Now, why, once they realized that these really irrational, you know, arguing people that they transported on board their ship uh, had this power, which she said, yeah, and we can't take it away from them either. Actually, uh, hold on. There might be something to this improv group theory because yeah. this feels very much like I have lightning hands. Bzah, and you're like, like, you do have lightning, lightning hands. hands too. Guess we gotta put some graphics in the budget for that later. And and Yar's like trying to like save the scene by like trying to button it up with like play nice. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the space adventure yeah, we're yeah. supposed to be having. But why didn't they put them in a holding cell and put them under observation? Like you Great know, questions. have security on them for the rest of the time after they started attacking each other? They couldn't guess afford what? any more extras. Yeah. They spent all their budget on morphs makeup again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think they also regarded these guys as, like, not a threat because they, like, a lot of the pre-warp technology people, they tend to just, like, kind of coddle a little bit. So as long as they have a security team around, I think they felt safe, right? Even though there weren't some security escorting them. Yeah, yeah. We'll see that sort of Starfleet arrogance time and time again of, like, you feel so safe in this little contained bubble with all your problems solved that you're like, sure, come aboard. What could go wrong? Yeah, until a shocking hand threatens to shock you right to death. Yeah. 
So Crusher makes her case. Uh, she says, I completely 100% disagree, which, I mean, we can see that. So, again, we didn't need her to say that. I want her to be able to, like, just, like, take some action or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we get to the point to where it's a pretty clear line. And, actually, we don't know what, what Picard's going to do. Yeah. Um, uh, so then we get to the the say no to drug scene. So let's let's <laughs> let me explain to you what I've read uh, a little bit of the backstory here. Um, Maurice Hurley, who was a co-executive producer, uh, also worked on Miami Vice, and he intended uh, to have the like an original copy of the script was going to have like uh, the Enterprise was coming across a drug deal already in progress. Um, and so I don't know how it got changed to where it did, but he took credit for this and he said, it's kind of my fault because uh, there was objections for the cast about the just say no uh, speech. He said, I take the blame for that. Uh. I jammed it in over everyone's objections. They were screaming on set. The actors were screaming. They were puking. They were yelling. We can't do this. I said, no, there are kids out there. If we're going to make the message, let's make the message. If it offends the adults or bothers some kids, then by God, we're going to, do it wow yeah he really forced it in and i think i think he i don't know if he regrets it but it sounds like he does (laughs) yeah drugs can make you feel good make you feel on top of the world happy sure of yourself in control should just stop there i mean yeah it was such a weird nuance because because i mean there is there's valid points in that speech and that their drug addiction is a very bad thing and there are very harmful drugs that you can spiral out of control with right but I, i there was a weird line of like Altering your brain state, if it's not real, can ruin your life. Yeah. And that's not quite shown uh, so much as just, like, some people have withdrawals. Right, right. Yeah, it was a very, like, surface-level understanding of, like, it was the basic, like, this is the least we can do. You know, we might yeah. as well put this in. Kids are going to see it, so mm-hmm. the message is good. But you didn't. there wasn't thought behind what message you're sending and, and how it's being sent. Yeah, the message should be know where your drugs are coming from, yeah. <laughs> have a babysitter, know your dosage, be careful, people. If the society right. you're getting it from has a full industry in other areas as well. Yeah, that's a yeah. good sign. Um, yeah. Wesley, like, I think is going to experiment at some point, right? I mean, he's an engineering <laughs> slash science potential oh, officer, yeah. right? Like, he's going to see... He's going to see into the nebulas, right? His whole guiding principle is, like, I need to see it for or experience it for myself. <laughs> so that's actually a Yar thing, too, that we see a bit uh, of, of wanting to be up front and, and, and a part of it. And why we see this sort of, like, mentorship. Because they're, I think they're trying to cram in that backstory for Yar again that we... Keep, we keep hearing the same little bit of it over and over of like, okay, she grew up on the streets and had a rough life and doesn't go any further than that. Yeah. Yeah, but we're they supposed were really to rough, infer. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Becca, let's get to let's get to your point now. So, okay, we're at well, the point to where... I want to explain a little more about Yar's backstory. So, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. Right? It was rough. Yeah. She had to suffer, mm-hmm. and it was hard. Okay, we and can move on. But it's interesting, just one, one little point off of that is that with the, that bit of information, we're supposed to create the, the rest of it on our own. And it's a really interesting thought experiment in that sense of like, what does that look like to you? It's interesting the language they use for some of this because even in the very beginning of this, um, there was the, um, the solar flare, right? Yeah. Weren't they saying something about how it's awesome? Or like, and the pattern is irregular. Like they didn't really, they kept using very basic descriptions for things as opposed to like either showing it or elaborating. Well, they Mm -hmm. didn't know what it would look like yet. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They were looking at it on the viewer. Wow. It's, no, but the actors. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's either really bright and shiny or really nebulous and glowy. (laughs) That 
that's something right there on that screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh, big thing. We're small. <laughs> so Picard has the dilemma, right? Uh, he he sees the exploitation of this society, but he has these this directive of not interfering, uh, no matter the consequences, because he's not allowed to put his own values on it. Well, so, then I guess he could never give them a coil to power their ship, because that would be interfering. Right. Yeah. But, and so... So, Becca, you didn't feel that he solved their problem with what his answer was because there was a little bit more to it than that from what I recall. Mm-hmm. Do you, wanna, so, do you yeah. want me to remind you? Oh, so, so yeah, go he, for it. These, these coils that were going to, you know, repair their freighters because apparently not just this one ship that got sucked into the solar flare planet situation, but all of their freighters, they, mm-hmm. they've forgotten how to do any of the industry they once knew because they're so addicted to drugs. And so all of their freighters are going to need this coil replaced, uh, which at one point I thought, like, maybe they could find the drug in the coil so they took it apart to do the drug because that's a real tweaker thing to do you know um anyway uh so they can't transport back and forth between the other planet uh if if they can't get these coils so picard was just going to give it to them but that is interfering in another society right so where's the line you draw Okay, but okay, he's yeah. he's giving them the the medicine this one time, right? Because that's his level. He's saying, I'm not interfering. See, I'm playing by the rules. You want to give them this medication because the Breckens were afraid of them come, overcoming the withdrawal and realizing they didn't need the medicine by going through the worst of it, right? So they wanted them to have the medicine. So Picard granted that, let that allowed that to happen, but then kept the coils because the Breckens need those freighters to come and bring every other supply to their planet. And, and for those op- two Breckens to get home. Exactly. So eventually, either they're going to solve the problem by fixing the freighters or teaching the, the uh, Odanians, or whatever their name is, how to Onarans. fix them. Onarans. How to fix them themselves. Or they're going to run out of the drug because they can't get it to the planet anyway, and they're going to go through the withdrawal, but on a planet-wide level. So in a way, Picard is solving the problem in the future. It's just he normally comes up with something really clever, and I thought this was a little like, okay, well, you don't know if they're going to figure it out, and then they're still totally effed. I Uh, thought this was very clever. I I mean, it kind of, but... But uh, my problem is that I think he violated the Prime Directive in ever agreeing to give them coils. Well, again, it's a little bit of a wishy-washy line when Star Trek addresses it because, again, as you made a good point earlier in this episode, is that, like, how can we experience other civilizations if we're not allowed to talk to them, right? Mm -hmm. So they help people in distress, but then they're like, we're going to try and not interfere as little as possible. By by doing what Picard did, he kind of... He kind of evened out his intervention. He's like, okay, we, we stepped into this, but now we're stepping out and letting the consequences of what they've developed happen to them. Because it's the Breckians' own fault that the Onarans can't have their ships maintained because their society is so um, driven by their addiction to the drug that they can't maintain their own industry to help with trade, right? Mm-hmm. So Picard, I think pretty, I wouldn't say explicitly, but he like looks to them and says, look, you're going to have to solve this problem with them because we're not going to give you the quails and solve your problem for you. And the Breckians kind of, they have that look in their eye of like, okay, we have to change our ways in some way. Mm, or we're going to figure this out. Screw you, dude. Uh, you're, you, we're still going to keep our, our system going. Yeah. Here's my answer if I were Picard oh, okay. and or yeah. Crusher. 
I just start leaking little memos to the whole crew of the USS Enterprise that's like, no, 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 we're not interfering. We've chosen not to interfere uh, in these two civilizations' conflict, and it's very clear that one has been drugging the other and they're not actually sick. And just put that out in a press release, you know, like a whole, just a, a, a ship-wide memo, if you will. And if they happen to see it because they're walking by a screen and it's the computer's making an announcement, well, that's not interfering. But so um, one of the things that I want, I, I it's like good, this. right? It's and good. I want to I go off of this thought experiment because that's what the whole thing is. So let's say that that happens and uh, the Onarans find out that, yes, we're being drugged. But the, addi- the addict's reaction is probably not going to be, oh, we're being drugged. Go ahead and stop it then. I don't want it. We're not going to die. They're all going to go through the withdrawal, and then it's going to become another form of dependency in my thought experiment. That's how I would see that happening. So I think the only way is like the rude awakening. That's what they're prescribing because that's what the treatment for uh, drug addiction was at the time. Mm -hmm. It's they have to go through withdrawal. They have to experience it and clear it out of their system, and then they will never touch it again. Like that's obviously not how it's going to work, but... Crusher offered to create a withdrawal drug that will, you know, fulfill what they need without giving them an addiction. Ease their symptoms, actually. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I think that it doesn't violate the Prime Directive to just give them information, to just say, here's what's very clear to us from an observer's point of view. You take the information and you do what with it what you will. Uh but you know, that, not that our is problem. interference, though, Becca. That's that's giving. But them it's knowledge. as much interference as the level as giving them a coil for their ship. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But that's the thing is like, the directive is clear, and they do disobey it. And like with as you mentioned, they disobeyed it in previous episodes. They're going to disobey it again. So it's used as a, a wavering rationale. But I think <laughs> I think they still keep it consistent in terms of their understanding of it. Their obedience to it, I think, does change. I think you're right. And I, I think that you can argue there's a difference between coming across a ship that needs a part that they would already have that you're just replacing versus, like, giving some technology to, to a ship that didn't have that. Like, if they didn't have those coils and they're like, this will make your ships better, that would be directly interfering, I think. But they already had these coils. They're just replacing them and doing that maintenance. When you're in a ship in distress, I think that, was, that would be a clear line to follow. Well, I'm glad that I've made you guys stick really hard to the opposite point of view just to debate no. me on this. No, no, um, I love I love having these talks. That's what it's all about because, you know, the, I think the point is there's not an easy answer. I would have disobeyed the Prime Directive if I was on board the ship. I was 100% agree with Crusher. I really me do. Too. I'm with you, Becca. But I understand what Picard's trying to do as his solution. But I would, I'm on Crusher's side and your side, I think. I would I would develop a, vac- or a, a, a medicine to make it easier on them and say, fuck the Prime Directive. It's better for their, their well-being as a species. Yeah, and, or maybe not even tell them what the Breckens yeah. did and just say, here's an alternate drug that you could make yourself here's the recipe call us if you need more (laughs) not to to further this but but to go on the other side of that by instantly doing that giving either these withdrawal drugs or this information or whatever you're instantly condemning this other race who now no longer has any industry uh and no might start a war well, most definitely would and who in war. their society is being exploited because Xander made a good point of like is it the powerful people in the Brecken society that are that are using this as an exploitation method or is it everyone and they're all in on it which seems unlikely right so there's probably right. people being exploited on their planet as well probably so the workers that are mining it which they made a huge deal about how how, how do you um, exhausted it, it was and, right yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? And then 20 years from now, we've got the Brecken Raiders who are taking revenge <laughs> on the Federation who gave them this, you know. It's a great storyline option, though. Yeah, true, there we go. true, true. Well, the Prime Directive is a philosophy. Yeah, no and I think... well-intentioned. I think that's a great line. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, you can only stick to to your morals, to your guiding principles as much as you can. Yeah. I'm sure this has been a fodder for a different episode somewhere, but um, in that speech, he said that no matter how well-intentioned the results of intervention have been disastrous. Uh, so I'm curious, what was the catalyst to creating the Prime Directive? Ooh, the one, the one thing. Well, how many wars did they start before they made this Prime Directive? <laughs> I, I, there's got to be a Trekkie exist. out there that actually knows the lore on this, but I think that there was a major conflict with, um, it's the Vulcans and the humans, and I think it believe it involved the Romulans, and it's like this nebulous, like, there was a war, uh, and something happened. I, I don't know for sure. Hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds like you, no, that sounds like as clear as DR's backstory. That's fine. <laughs> That's true. It was hard. Uh, there were orphans. Um. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, do you guys want to head to the opera line system? <laughs> I love that Picard was just like, let's get the fuck out of here at the yeah. end of this episode. He's like, Wait, just we're, go we're anywhere. Anywhere. And I Jordy, don't care. Jordy says the opera line system, and someone asked him why, and he says, curiosity, I've never been there before. And there's a nice silent pause. Yeah. That's good. And then we get. Engage. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. Wait, can we do a different one instead? I got a better one, which is the one that Xander texted. Yep. Because oh. you know what? I'm really done with this episode. I'm done with these drugs. I'm done with these planets. And I'm just going to say. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Felicia. Yeah. I was looking frantically at my text messages trying to figure out what you were referencing. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, oh, okay. This is politico.com. That's not what I need. Uh, no. Okay, Felicia. Okay.